Alright. Let's everyone just calm down. Three week check in, and everything's gone to hell on Pod Like a Raven. Okay, we took a little mini vacation. We took a little break, you know. Super Bowl's over. Rihanna was fun. The Chiefs are good. Let's just breathe. And we come back to you after three weeks, and some things have happened uh, as we record on Tuesday evening, just after the franchise tag deadline passed. I am Antonio Barbero. We have things to discuss. Let me bring in my my co-host here first off the off the top, and then. Uh, I'll get into some things that I have to say. But first of all, on the East Coast, Tim Horsey, just a casual Tuesday today. Just a, just a nothing burger of a, of a sports day for Ravens fans. Yeah, not a damn thing happened except the thing that we all knew was going to happen. Um, I don't know how we got here, and I'm not going to dive in too deep now, but the Ravens may have just wasted an opportunity with the most talented quarterback they've ever had Um and it's not even close. One of the most talented players they've ever had on their roster. And, uh, and they might have, as, as they like to say in the old, on the old footy, ballsed it up. And, uh, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about it. I can't wait, guys. It's, it's so good to be back. On the West Coast, Chase Evans, uh, not to call you out too much, but the deadline on the East Coast was 4 p.m., which meant on the West Coast it was 1 p.m., which meant... Were you maybe sleeping when it happened, or were you uh, were you out in a boot and uh, and were aware of of the news as it was approaching four o'clock Eastern time? Uh, I may I may have still been asleep. I may have had a a one p.m. wake up today. What a uh, what a wake up to what a thing to see when you woke up. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying my best to. I've been using these three weeks. I've been reading a ton of you know our our guys Jeff Zarebek, Jameson Hensley, just re- consuming, but. Uh, trying and failing to otherwise do my best to attempt to ignore everything else going on around this team. It's just, it was nice to kind of get away. I got back into reading for like the first time in forever. I read like, I'm reading books, Game of Thrones. Have you ever heard of it? I'm reading that for the first time. Uh, But no, yeah, as it pertains to the Ravens, um, I was feeling okay, not awful. Then Tim lays it out and everything's terrible it's not good (laughs) we're not in a good place right now so yeah you know it's always good to be back talking to you all we certainly have no shortage of things too but it was kind of it was kind of nice to just have that respite to not be just fully in it for for a few weeks ravens players are in all sorts of tizzies all different players another coach is gone from from the raven staff uh, the Players Association gave the Ravens a very mixed report card. Tim, in a text, recommended a darkness retreat for me, and that was all before the Lamar Jackson news that happened today uh, with him getting the non-exclusive mm-hmm. franchise tag, which we will get into. Uh, I used to want more Ravens national coverage, and now I've had enough for the next five years. Like, I remember the the Flacco era, even before, I guess, before they'd won the Super Bowl, even after they won the Super Bowl, 
I wanted more like ESPN segments. I wanted more stuff on like Sports Center of what they had going on. I don't know more. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, every ESPN talking head has blamed every single individual involved with the Ravens from the ownership group to the people who clean the stadiums. Uh, it's everyone's fault. They've contradicted themselves 18 different times. I don't need to see all these shots being taken uh, at every single member of the Ravens staff and every player, and it's also Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of stuff going on, but we have to talk about the biggest news of the evening. Uh, and I'm going to start with just what happened. What are the numbers? What are the facts? Uh, and how do we move forward from here and then get some, some analysis from my, from my two co-hosts, some, uh, some thoughts, some, some prayers, maybe some, some tears, whatever you guys need, uh, to talk about. But I'm just, I'm taking it from Jameson Hensley, the facts on ESPN.com. Read his, his lovely story. So I'm quoting him here, uh, with the Ravens using the non-exclusive tag, Jackson can engage in contract talks with other teams. If Jackson signs an offer sheet with another team, Baltimore has the right to match the offer to keep him or take two first-round picks as compensation. The non-exclusive tag will pay Jackson $32 million this season. End quote. Another little caveat that I want to add because it's going to kind of impact the rest of our uh, conversations later on. Teams can make their offer to Jackson, other teams, starting March 15th, and this extends all the way through July 17th without any sort of other rules attached. This can also continue after July 17th all the way through to week 10 of the season where teams can still offer something, a new, you know, a contract or make an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson. However, if it happens after July 17th, all the way up through week 10. They can only offer a one-year deal, and the Ravens can only counter or you know match a one-year deal for Lamar Jackson. Anything before July 17th or through July 17th can be all those big, juicy, long-term, long-term offers. So, uh, I'm going to go first, which I'm not maybe it's wisest because I have, I think, the tamest approach. So maybe maybe we should have put that at the end, but I'm going to lead. That's new. I'm going to lead with it at the top here. I think it's the right play. I think it's fine. I think we're fine. I think we can all take a breath. I think we're all right at this point in time. We can't go back. You can't go back and, you know, back in time. I'd love to go back and after Lamar's rookie season, just give him a 10-year extension for $3 million a year. Can't do that. At this point in time, and the Ravens have certainly made some mistakes leading up to this, I still blame the Browns at every turn. At this point, I think it's the right play. They know they can always match whatever other teams offer. They know they will get two first-round picks if a team gets out of line, and those are the key words. I would not be surprised if league owners have sort of huddled uh, post-Browns-Deshaun-Watson deal and done the sort of like, you know, there's only 32 of us, 31 because the Browns weren't invited to this little text thread of, of the other owners. It would not shock me if at a meeting or in conversations they've done the, like, look, we're not doing that again just because the Browns did it because they were desperate and also they were desperate with the worst human in the NFL, uh, objectively. 
we're not doing that again. So don't, you know, hold the line, basically, after the Browns have done this. I think that's possible. I would also not be surprised at all if the Ravens, in the past few weeks, in the past few months, in seeking out trade partners, got a feel for which teams were really interested and what their price was via trade. They know what people or what teams were going to pay for for Lamar Jackson via trades. They have a sense of whether teams were going to give the all-guaranteed deal or, or how much they would offer in a trade. They can now just show Lamar Jackson what deals are actually out there without losing the ability to keep him if they don't want to lose him. If Lamar Jackson's base ask was all fully guaranteed from day one, then they're essentially in the same exact position now. If the Ravens want to keep him long-term, which is what they have said they've wanted to do all along, and that should be the right play, given that he's a very, very good quarterback, and that's very hard to keep a good quarterback and have one, and the Ravens have not done that successfully over their sort of franchise history. If they want to keep him, they've said they want to do that. This is, in my opinion, essentially just a free market review for them. If a team gives them the all-guaranteed money, then they can do it. They can match it and say, you know, okay, it ex you're right. This was the value for you at this point in time. We're going to do it. If they don't want to do it, and they never did want to do it, and a team gives them that, and they step out of line, which I do not think is going to happen, based on some other things that we're going to talk about a bit later, then they can let him go, and they lose, or they gain, excuse me, two first-round draft picks. It's not ten first-round draft picks, but it's not nothing. And I think they're okay. I think they're in okay shape. A lot of what you said is true, and yet I disagree in a weird way. And I don't necessarily, I, you know, little tongue-in-cheek there. But at, the, at this moment in time, this is the right move. Um, to get the two first-round picks, it's risky as hell, by the way. And, by, and we'll get to this in a second. So, again, to reemphasize, basically teams can, and Lamar himself, can negotiate with other teams now. And the Ravens have the idea to match or say, now nah, we'll just take your draft picks because we love lottery tickets, as Eric DaCosta loves to say. Um, it's incredibly risky. And as of recording on Tuesday evening, it might be paying off because the owners clearly have a united front. About 30 minutes after this news came down, reports from the likes of Jeff Darlington, Diana Rossini, Field Yates, Albert Breer, mentioning that all of your favorite teams that were supposed to be in Lamar Jackson, if I see another jersey swap in that horrendous Atlanta Falcons jersey. I might scoop my own eyes out with a melon baller. Immediately, Dan Rossini, who's locked in on the league, Falcons aren't pursuing. Jeff Darlington, the Dolphins are out. The, they think that Tua is their guy, even though they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option. The Panthers will not pursue Lamar Jackson. The Raiders are out, although Dan Rossini has now refuted that. Uh, the Commanders are out, according to league sources as well. All these teams that everybody's been mocking Lamar Jackson to because they don't want to see Baltimore have nice things, uh, and they've, they've disrespected the player who wants $250 million guaranteed when no one has ever gotten that money uh, for a guy who can't stay on the field. But that's, that's, that's fine. The Baltimore Ravens have completely disrespected the player, and it's only their fault. Um, as of right now, this risk seems to be paying off. It seems to be, at, at the mo this moment in time, 
it seems to be paying off that Eric DaCosta said basically, you know what? We couldn't get a deal done with you. Let's see how interested you are in negotiating with the 31 other teams, and we'll let the league set the market. And if we like the market, we're going to keep you, and everything's going to be gravy. Hopefully, who knows, you know, how that affects the, the locker room and how it affects Lamar, you know, emotionally and psychologically. Who knows? The, the human element is always something to play here. As of right now, this looks like the right move, and, and I don't disagree with that. But the fact that the Ravens have gotten themselves into this position where and, – and it's them and, and, and Lamar, and as Jace I know is going to emphasize more on, I don't think Lamar has been super interested in negotiating as well, which I'll let him elaborate on. The fact that the Ravens have gotten themselves into a position where they're – the talk of the league, basically, in this, in this deal – they can't find any common ground. The reports are that they're just there's nothing going on. And 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 I'll mention this later in the show with one of our other topics as well. The Ravens are so stuck on and so committed to continuity and consistency that they will never adapt or change their ways for anything and it's going to cost them down the road. And I think that was part of it here. The Ravens are so stuck in their own ways, which overall and have been successful. It's why we're fans of this franchise that I think in this situation, they have gotten themselves into probably the worst, you know, talking a year off two years ago. How many of us would have predicted this, that, that, that we're doing the, the franchise tag day? And the fact that now your league MVP, unanimous MVP, superstar face of the league type player can be gone for two first-round picks when Russell Wilson, who everybody in the Seattle building hated and who is a decade older, got three first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three players? You are leaving your franchise. It's a giant risk that could pay off. But at this moment in time, you are leaving your franchise in a very, very vulnerable vulnerable position that, you know... We're looking. We're doing pod like Raven five years from now, and we're talking about a team that can't can't go ten and seven because they can't find the right guy, and that that possibility is very very real. So Antonio, correct. I, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. When I woke up this morning, this was the option I wanted to see. It was it was the best option. You couldn't put them on the other tag. It's too much money. They're, with this tag now, they're already nine million dollars over the cap. So things are going to have to happen, uh, and that's not and you know guys like Gus Edwards who we all love. Probably not going to be on this team anymore, guys. Just a heads up. Um, in the moment, yeah, it, it's the right move for now. But the fact that they took so long and made so many mistakes along the way, both Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, to get to this point, I find infuriating. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in a similar boat where I, I don't even think you can almost view it as right and wrong. I think this was the only choice um, because I think the failure – has happened it had happened it happened last summer i like that's the thing <laughs> the ravens did not sign lamar jackson before the 2022 season started and it's just been a, it's the failures there and at this point i think like i'm not surprised by today's news just because i think if you've been like you know paying attention to the tea leaves a deal was never happening it was never yeah. getting done before the deadline and so you know, it, it, when it comes to that, I think there it's down to he plays on the tag or they trade him. And, you know, is it risky to do the, the two the two firsts? Yes, especially because 
uh, how we've laid out, you know, the tags operate. Lamar doesn't have to sign it. He can just not play the whole season. <laughs> Teams have done that before. Uh, Le'Veon Bale famously never signed his tender, obviously, with the Steelers, and they ended up releasing him. I doubt the Ravens would do that for a player of Lamar's caliber, but, um, you know, this could just go on and on and on. He doesn't have to sign it, as we said, until week 10 if he doesn't want to um, and can still, you know, get play this year, but... Uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised it came to this. And as Tim, you laid out, I think this was the tag was the only option, um, because of the cost of that 45 million. And that's the thing. And that's why this is a failure. They can't be like the 2023 Ravens, even with Lamar on the team at this point, barring some miracle long-term deal. I never see happening. Um, like they're just not going to be a good team next year. Like <laughs> they're going to be worse than the 2022 Ravens were just because of the players they're going to have to release, the lack of draft picks they currently have. Like, even if they get Lamar on the 32 million tag, like, they're just going to be a worse team. Uh, and uh, because of the guys they have to release, probably Clayus Campbell, as you said, Chuck Clark's probably gone, Gus Edwards. It's going to be a worse team. And so that's why it's, like, you know, I don't even know that it matters, really, because I think it's, like, they've already failed. <laughs> like, the failure is oh, already geez. so complete. Oh, my God. Every, everything yeah, hurts and I nothing mean, matters. Yeah, I mean, like, I, him playing would be better, but, like, it's still not, like, this isn't a good result. Even, like, best case scenario at this point, again, barring a miracle tag that I never see coming, is Lamar signs and pl- gets his $32 million guaranteed. Uh, and, yeah, th- they have to, you know, get rid of things because they can't massage the cap like you would on a long-term deal. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, like, this was and then he leaves after that tag year, right. and then you're you're stuck with losing all those players. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know I don't love the idea like uh, of just two first round picks for Lamar, especially if a team like Miami slides in after the draft because of course they don't have first round picks. Signs him, we don't match, and then we get probably what should be good Miami first round picks, so low twenties picks for Lamar, like in you know twenty four and twenty five. That's not ideal, but. I don't know. It's, I'm not surprised by that we got here. Um, as we kind of touched on, I think there's two guys specifically to blame uh, for all this. It is Lamar Jackson himself and Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens. You know, I think a lot is going to be laid at Eric DaCosta's feet because he's the guy doing the negotiations a lot. But he has a boss, and his boss is saying, we don't want to give this quarterback <laughs> the contract he wants. Like, that's that's on him. And we know this because Steve Bashotti literally said, I don't want to do guaranteed contracts a year and a half ago, or whatever that was at the owners' meetings last year. So, I don't know. I just, there's a lot of blame to go around, but I do think it's specifically on those two guys. Like, like neither the Ravens nor Lamar have shown any interest to this point in getting a deal done. Otherwise, they would have last summer, like right? And um, Bashadi, as I said, doesn't want to give him the contract he wants. And, you know, at this point, we have no evidence Lamar wants to be here. Otherwise, he would have possibly compromised and agreed to something. Um, but they haven't. And so it's on It's on the two of them. Bashadi doesn't want to pay him. Lamar doesn't want to play for what he, you know, what he thinks he's worth or below what he's worth. And that's fine. But... Uh, the Ravens, you know, inability to budge off that point is why he's not under contract. 
and I don't think will be, and I don't think will be on this team in 2023. If I had to, if I had to guess. Jason, I want to, I want to push back on a couple of things. The first one is the aspect of the team being, even with Lamar, being significantly worse because of having to cut players if they're going to, you know, feed this contract. That happens every year with teams all across the league. It is a the nature of the beast in a salary cap league uh, where quarterbacks demand the most money. If we lose Chuck Clark, I'm not going to lose sleep about this team's abilities next year when your top 15 draft pick is set to become a second-year player at that exact position. If we have to cut Clayus Campbell, the 37-year-old defensive lineman, that's why we drafted uh, Jones. That's he and he was good. Step up, man. That's what it's a cyclical thing. You draft young players, you develop them. Veterans get pushed out, and that's going to happen regardless. Uh, the other thing I want to respond to is the aspect of teams coming in after the draft. Like you mentioned, the Dolphins, which is a scare team because they obviously have issues with Tua. They are uh, clearly not, you know, they've been flirting with Tom Brady for three years. Like they, 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 I did, they do not, they cannot convince me that Tua is, uh, is the guy we can get to after the draft. The Dolphins don't have that first round pick, so they're not going to mess with it at the beginning. And then they do the gigantic deal for Lamar Jackson. And we look at it and it's like, Oh my gosh, these, they're two first. We're not going to have a quarterback. First of all, cause we missed the draft. We weren't able to move up and draft one of the three, four guys. Their two picks are going to be in the late 20s because Jackson's going to win four Super Bowls with the Dolphins. Then they don't have to take it. They can match it. They can say, guess what? That value's not good enough. These two first-round draft picks that are going to be 26 and 24 over the next two years, not good enough. We're in the same exact boat that we were two years ago when Lamar Jackson wanted the same exact thing that he wants now. So they can still do it. They can give him that contract that, in theory, he has been stubbornly asking for from day one, and that's why how this has gotten drawn out. It's like, I just think the Ravens are like running out the string here because their worst-case scenario is they're at the same exact thing that they were at on day one, which was Lamar Jackson without an agent saying, like, don't come talk to me unless it's a fully guaranteed deal. They're trying every single angle. They're waiting as long as possible. They're using every rule in the book that they can to see if they can save on that. And they might be able to. And if they don't, and these picks are going to stink, they can still keep him. They can give him that big deal that he wanted that is not, you know, crazy unreasonable because it's already been done. Stupid, stupid Browns. (laughs) And then they they have the quarterback of the future. Well, here's the problem here. And, Jace, I'll let you respond in a second. And it goes back to my point of the Ravens just moving too slow on on things like this. I don't think he's asking for fully guaranteed money before the Watson deal. I don't think he is. I think he's asking for the contract that they offered him, which is more than Kyler Murray and more than Russell Wilson and more than those guys. He's asking for that contract, and that contract is signed. If the Ravens just get up off their ass and and make the sign – the Watson deal changes everything. And I and if you listen to this podcast, you know me. I will take any opportunity to crap on the Browns. And and again, by the way, I've seen a couple like Baker Mayfield might fit with the Ravens. 
I'm walking off the podcast. I'll still edit it for you guys because I got the tools. I ain't doing it. I, I, that's that is a promise, and I promise you. I'll sit in. I'll listen, but I will not be speaking about this Baltimore Ravens team if that's the case. Anyway, besides the point. I'm more than willing to take shots at the Browns, deserved and undeserved. Trust me, you've listened to the show enough. It's not all on them for being stupid. They were very stupid. But the Ravens know that there are stupid people all over this league and should have tied down their asset when they, excuse me, when they had the chance. They didn't. They wanted to play out the string as long as possible. They wanted to play it out as long as possible to get, you know, as squeeze as much juice out of this rookie deal that they could. And, and try and, and maximize the window, what happens, whatever. And it's bit it's bit them. It's bit them right in the butt because we're now at a situation where, Jace, I agree with you, man. I do, I do not see him suiting up for the Baltimore Ravens ever again. And it's it's sad. It re, it, this moment in time, it could be overreactionary. We can get to pass the draft and whatever. And I, it's completely different. But as of right now, I just – the the we've we've been in a bad spot for a while with the 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 mums the word and Lamar not really talking about it no leaks because the agents what have you having to hear on every podcast people talk about the Baltimore Ravens like they know what they're talking about in terms of the Baltimore Ravens which is always super fun because um, I, I we don't even know what we're talking about most of the time uh, and now that it's definitive and now that it's real like this tag has happened it is a real thing in our lives. Even though the uncertainty is gone, in a way, I'm almost more upset now because it's like, oh, yeah, this thing that we all thought was going to happen actually did. This is this is tragic. Well, that's the thing. Like, even in the absolute best case scenario, the best case scenario, the Ravens, like, I guess just, yeah, inability to reach this deal sooner has blown up in their face. Because, like, maybe it's like Lamar does just want, you know, guaranteed money, right? And so he, like, signs the tender and they play on it. Well, he's still going to want a, you know, max contract. The tag will go up even more next year, um, regardless of which tag they use. Um, and, and especially once you, because that's what happened to Cousins. Washington kept using it, and then he walked for a fully guaranteed three-year deal. Um, but obviously, Lamar is a lot better player. And then you, like, run the risk, like, even if he takes this tender, it's like, well, what if a Burrow contract does get signed and a Justin Herbert contract gets signed? They're both eligible this offseason. And certainly, you know, I think we think Lamar's really talented, obviously, but there's no denying Joe Burrow has accomplished more, um, I would say, to this point in his NFL career, even without uh, the MVP award to his name. But, uh,. And I'm skeptical those deals get done. You know, the Brown family, super cheap. The Spanos family, super cheap. So maybe it doesn't happen. And maybe that helps the Ravens. Or they also get max contracts. And then the Ravens cave and pay them, which is exactly what they did when the Flacco thing happened all those years ago. Obviously, that worked out a lot better. Well, the contract didn't. But, like, they kept the player. But, like... You know, Flacco played his fifth-year option, bet on himself famously, won the Super Bowl with 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions, and signed what was at the time, like, right, like the biggest contract in the league history, when they could have just signed him ahead of the season. Like, he would have If they had given Joe Flacco $100 million ahead of that season, he probably would have signed it. You know why? Because he's Joe Flacco. He's certainly way worse player than Lamar Jackson is. And they waited then, and it's and like they did the exact same thing this year. 
uh, it blew up in their face and they didn't even get a Super Bowl out of it. So like, I, I, that's just where like, I'm like, oh my God, like I, I can't, I can't believe that we're here because like I said, like, especially I, I was, I think by the start of the near year, I was like, oh, this is not good when he wasn't coming back yeah. from the injury when they when the guy they acquired mid-season who also doesn't have an agent immediately signed the biggest contract for his position in nfl history with the team and roquan smith uh there was just a, a, several bad signs that these negotiations weren't going well but you know eh, we'll see obviously there's a lot to play out this could drag on and on and on i think they need some kind of resolution before the draft realistically uh to just move forward from this um, because they can't, they can't obviously go into the season without a starting quarterback. Um, if their whole goal is to, to win every year, they just bungled it. You know, they, they fumbled it. They, um, should have got this done last summer. They didn't. And now it's on them. This is, this is the end result of that. I'm going to do a little, uh, scenario examining, uh, with the fellas here and the listener as always. I'm going to ask Jace and Tim to not be Ravens fans, to not even be associated with the Ravens, involved with the Ravens, and pretend to be uh, GMs slash owners, because this is a two-pronged decision for other teams. And I want to go through, there's two tiers of team who would go for Lamar Jackson at this point in time. There's the QB needy teams outside the top 10 uh, in terms of uh, in the draft. So you're looking at the Jets, the Commanders, looking at the Raiders. Um, And then we're going to do teams that are in the top ten, that have those top draft picks. Looking at the Texans, the Colts, the Panthers, who also need a quarterback. And evaluate need and need slash desperation. Uh, And if you were the GM, if you were the owner, you know, that that sort of tandem, are you giving Jackson that all, the the giant guaranteed deal? So I want to start with, Teams outside the top 10, are you offering, and I'm picking outside of the top 10 because there's basically four big uh, quarterback names in the draft, and they're seemingly, after the combine, all very likely to be gone by pick nine. So that's sort of a major split uh, there. But if you are outside the top 10, uh, are you offering $250 million fully guaranteed for a player with one playoff win in five seasons, who you need Good to spin con- zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim, when it's uh, a team stat and it's a negative, mm-hmm. you attribute that to the player when you don't want to right, sign him. Right. Um, you need to rebuild your offense a little bit around him. And Tim, but jokes aside, the playoff win in five seasons can be. Does that offense win? You know the the. Uh, oh, I almost cursed. I almost had just a pure curse on this ep- on this podcast, which I have not done. Uh, subconsciously very often, but the story, the storyline of this offense can't win in the playoffs. Basically this quarterback and this offense can't win in the playoffs. Anyway, uh, you need to kind of rebuild your offense around it, around him a little bit. Um, and this player, by the way, got hurt in the stretch run back to back seasons when you in theory needed to win games to get into the postseason and show up in the postseason. You're the GM of the jets of the commanders of the Raiders are you just pocketbook open, ready to go? Do you think about it? Are you saying, no, thank you. No, thank you at this point in time. Even seeing he doesn't have an eight, like he's going to be a headache, right? As if you sign him, you could be year two of this guaranteed deal and he might 
want more money. He might bring something else up and have other problems and not show up and this, that, because it's fully guaranteed. Um, so for these type of teams, you have to be the decision maker. What are your, what's your, your thought process of, of, of offering him this deal? So this is an interesting conversation here. One, because, you know, we're just living in it now. And, you know, with my job, with Jace's job, I know as, as well. And also we're sickos. We're addicted to Twitter and seeing how, like, everything plays out in real time. And the, the, just the, and look, I'm never going to defend owners because they're rich, rich, rich billionaires for the most part, or at least multi-multi-millionaires. So they're doing fine. But this discourse of like, well, this is wage suppression and all these, t- all these owners are colluding because they just don't want to give a fully guaranteed contract. There was one moron. Like, we all agreed to the salary cap here, right? Like, we all agreed. It, it, it might not be right, but we all agreed to how these NFL systems work. And now everybody's like, someone, they, they're not giving Lamar what he wants. All these teams are just like colluding together to immediately say they're not interested. Well, you know why they're not interested? Because, Antonio, my answer is no. You're not giving $250 million fully guaranteed to anybody. The only person that did it was the Browns. Why are the Browns the example? Why are the Browns the example of, of what we should be doing to build a successful National Football League franchise. Because they're quite the opposite. They paid a man who had... D- d- ignore the off-the-field off stuff. Which, by the way, it wasn't just the Browns, by the way. It was, it was a lot of teams clamoring for Deshaun Watson. And the only reason they got him to join Cleveland and not hang out in, like, I don't know, Atlanta or Carolina, was that they said, we'll go fully guaranteed. And so he said, oh, you know, that, that orange and brown looks really good on me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock that. There is no scenario where you should be doing this, nor even thinking about it, based on the way the National Football League is set up with a salary cap and how contracts are laid out. Is it right? Is it, is it um, discriminating is the wrong word, but is it unfair to the players? Maybe. Take it up in the CBA next time then, if you want to do that. But as of right now, if you want to win football games, not only the one playoff win, not only the the injury concerns, which, by the way, the injury concerns were, oh, he's a running quarterback. It ain't that. It's just the the dude's built out of glass. Like, he's just not, you know, a a sustainable player for a full 17-game season now, it seems like, which is another problem. Even taking all of that out of that, he could be Iron Man. He could be Cal Ripken back there. There's no way you are going to win a championship with a quarterback on a fully guaranteed $250 million contract. It ain't happening. Yeah, and, and like I, we, we've seen – there's reports that have kind of floated out there. Not super mainstream yet, but you, you've seen some whispers. The Browns might be looking to like trade Nick Chubb because like Watson is one quarter – of the Brown salary cap, like just full on one guy of their 53 man team, one guy. And, and so, you know, on the one hand, I, I fully like, it's their fault that they've reached this point, but I will defend the Ravens just in this sense. I understand for the reasons Tim said, why they don't want to do a guaranteed deal. This guy has not played a game in December, the last two seasons when he's 24 and 25. Is that going to get better as he gets older? History suggests no. <laughs> History suggests you get more injured as you age. Um, and I understand why the Ravens don't want to commit full money to that. 
that being said, as you said, this is a CBA problem, and that and that kind of goes back to the owners, and that they won so much, they devised this system where they don't have guaranteed contracts, and we should say, pretty much the only major America, North American sport without guaranteed contracts. Baseball has them, basketball has them, even hockey, the Mickey Mouse organization of them all, the National Hockey League. You know, they're mostly guaranteed contracts. If you get bought out in hockey, I believe you get two th- it's you uh you get two thirds of your contract. Not so in the NFL. It's literally the least protection for players for probably the most dangerous game of them all, uh, with certainly the most long standing health complications and um, you know, I get all that. But yeah, as Tim laid out, that's a CBA problem, that's something the players need to address. And I think we're kind of seeing this is definitely an NL NFLPA proxy war with the league that involving Jackson because he's seeking their guidance and they want fully guaranteed contracts certainly for the top echelon of players and if this devolves into a collusion fest which as we kind of touched on is certainly looking like it might be um there's other it's it's not just a Ravens versus Lamar Jackson problem but the NFLPA is prominently involved in this it seems like uh and yeah there's long-term ramifications for that but what scares me Tim to your point I don't think it's smart to pay this $250 million, but I do think there are owners that are desperate. And the one that comes to mind for me is Jets owner Woody Johnson, who, as we talked today, has flown out to California to talk to a 40-year-old man uh, who was just on a darkness retreat who makes more money than anyone in the National Football League. Uh, he is desperate. He has said he'd pay whatever the price they need. The New York Jets have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. They have not played in the Super Bowl uh, in 54 years now, um, you know, I think a team like that <laughs> with an owner of the heir of the Johnson and Johnson fortune, <laughs> I think he, you could see someone desperate as we saw the Browns with Jimmy Haslam, also another horrible owner whose team never win. He might do it. I'm not, he may not, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets come in with a stupid <laughs> contract offer in a in a team that seems pretty good with a lot of good rookie contracts currently in a in a bid to you know end their playoff drought and get back to the Super Bowl they haven't been into forever. So I'm still scared of it. You know the other teams outside the top ten worry me less. I think um, outside of Miami, <laughs> uh, which we talked about uh, as we mentioned, Miami doesn't have their first round pick because they were colluding to bring Tom Brady and Sean Payton to Miami. So uh, I'm not going to rule them out either. Steven Ross clearly, uh, I don't think, is the most popular NFL owner these days. But, uh, um, yeah, I do think there's still a team that would do it, even if I do think it's kind of ill-advised. How quickly did uh, Woody Johnson hop on the jet back to the East Coast? Uh <laughs> When he heard that it was a non-exclusive yeah, tech. Uh, we, we need to start tracking that jet. If it's the next stop's Broward County, Florida, we might, uh, we might be in might trouble. Might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go inside the top ten. The real cream of the crop in terms of futility uh, and quarterback need. I'm looking at you, Houston. Hmm. <laughs> looking at you, Indianapolis. Looking at you, Carolina. Um, you guys are now GMs and owners. Congratulations to you. Uh, of these teams in the top 10 do you offer the fully guaranteed deal for lamar jackson over being able to give a rookie deal to one of these top 10 quarterbacks uh in the draft no because you don't give a fully guaranteed contract to anybody all it takes is one idiot but no 
That being said, from a Ravens point of view, Bryce Young was 204 pounds. He wasn't he wasn't under 200 pounds. Some some are calling him the Steph Curry of the National Football League. Just kind of a point point guard general back there just slinging it around to the receivers that are on this team. You know, this is People are talking. I, I've heard people say that, you know, th- that person being me in text groups trying to convince myself that if that happened, it would be okay. Um, I think if you – I think if you're one of those teams, it depends on how close you think you are. I Again, I, I wouldn't go fully guaranteed, but I might risk this it, – it, a lot of it depends on how you feel about this class too. Do you let, Are you scared of Bryce Young? Do you do you have a, a thing for Will Levis? God, I hope not. Anthony Richardson, are you buying? Are you buying the hype? Uh, Jace will tell us he's not very good at quarterback. I assume based on his Florida tape uh, for a little bit that I've watched. Uh, you know, d- d- C.J. Stroud, like that might be the guy. At least from my minimal knowledge of all this, at least right now, it's kind of who I think might be the dude. But throws a great ball. It, it, Tim throws a great. Oh, throws a great just, ball. they're like oh he's just a robot back there i was like well i dealt with one of those for years that sounds good to me something about that joe flacco um i i think you consider it more i would never go fully guaranteed all it takes is one idiot uh look at you cleveland i would never go fully guaranteed but i think about it more if you think you are closer to winning and you know there is a proven proven mvp caliber player out there it might be worth taking, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks don't work out in the draft. So get the guy that you think is, you know, a, a superstar and, you know, C.J. Stroud. Welcome to the Ravens. I I could imagine, you know, most teams are going to want the rookie contract just because of the flu- how, how, how underpaid those guys are on the rookie deal. Again, until like last season, wasn't Lamar's top salary like $1.9 million, like his fourth season or something. So most teams are going to want that, especially the fact that these teams at the top 10 are mostly bad um, and have generally new GMs who are doing a build. I could see Cal McNair being that idiot, though, Tim. Uh, yeah. Three coaches yeah. in three years. The Texans have just been one PR nightmare after another and seem to have no hope. Uh, but they have a new coach in D'Amico Ryans. I could see them being a team. They have a ton of cap space because they don't have good players. <laughs> and I could see them like being a team that maybe does take a swing at Lamar. Um just to try to settle the, you know, they are the team that traded Deshaun Watson and that opened a big glaring hole for them uh, at the quarterback position. And that division stinks. You know, we know Jim Irsay's desperate, but they seem, de- they seem to want to get off the veteran QB carousel, which, you know, I do think Lamar would obviously be the smartest bet they could have made uh, of terms of all these veteran QBs that come in, but it seems like they're committed to, to drafting and developing. Um, but those are like the two teams. Like I was like, if Houston wants to make a splash, but I still think like you're so bad, you might as well just take like a Bryce Young and just kind of ride that rookie contract wave. Um, and you know, who knows if you're you know you go two and fourteen or two and fifteen next year, you draft Caleb Williams. Like that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking. I'm looking through the list. I agree. I agree. I agree with uh, all of this for both tiers i'm looking at carolina just because i mean they went seven they went seven and ten they probably should have won a few more games than that their defense is set 
they have DJ Moore. They have a number one receiver. The running back room without McCaffrey still strong. Um, they drafted the their left tackle in the first round early last year. Aquanu. I'm gonna get that name somewhat wrong. Icky Aquanu. Yep. Um, they're kind of built okay uh, with uh, a desperate need at the most important position, <laughs> yeah, and they're ninth. Hole. So I could see, you know, the thought is. Why trade up and lose picks uh, for one of those four guys when we can just hang at nine, not lose the too much draft capital, and then do the deal for Jackson, and we're kind of ready to go there. But, yeah, overall I would agree. Um, plus the and Panthers are paying rule like $40 million. Well, just they they got like eight, eight coaches in the payroll, so yeah, like that, that affects things. Would... Just with the Panthers, they have the second richest owner in the NFL. So liquid money is not a huge concern for them as it might be, you know, for your Mark Davises prominently. He's obviously an owner that doesn't have a ton of cash. The Spanos family, the the, the Hallises slash McCaskies. Uh, there's owners that don't have a ton of liquid capital. David Tepper, hedge fund billionaire, is not one of them. He is a very rich man and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he certainly has the money on hand to pay uh, these guaranteed deals if they want to go down that road. So that that's a that's just a yeah. I I know the reports say they're not interested, but keep a yeah. keep an eye on them. I think. <laughs> uh, all right, en- enough guys, enough on this. Ready to move on, uh, or give me your final uh, eulogies on this point. Just just quickly on all of this again. I I they're, everybody's at fault. Whatever. The people screaming collusion already between all the owners. First of all, it's it's virtually impossible to prove collusion. So, good luck. And second of all, all the owners have to say is, we don't want to do... We know what he's looking for, the fully guaranteed. We don't want to do that. And we also don't want to give up draft capital. And they could all say that. And that's not collusion. So, stop it. Now, all that being said, all these reports came out initially. Yeah, next time we meet... I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams that immediately came out and said, we're not interested, might have had a change of heart uh, based on certain factors. The, the, the thing I'm going to be interested to see is where it goes from here. Obviously, we have a long road, but um, I think as we, you know, Lamar doesn't have an agent and he doesn't seem especially communicative, you know. Uh, I don't think they were negotiating super hard uh, on Monday when – Lamar was sharing Instagram stories all day and clearly not in Baltimore to uh, negotiate a contract. And so I'm curious how this process goes for a deal of this size for a guy who doesn't have an agent and like just how his communication with other teams goes. Like does the GM just get on his cell phone? And I, I truly don't know. I think it's, it's pretty unprecedented territory uh, for something like this. And that's why I think it's going to take a while. I don't think there's going to be an immediate resolution, even though it would certainly serve the Ravens well if there was. So, you know, I, I kind of said I hope uh, my rambling made sense. But, you know, I I think it's it's an organizational failure that started last summer. And I'm not surprised by anything that happened. And, yeah, um, I don't know how this ends. I don't think it ends. It certainly, I think, at this point will not end with a long-term contract with the Ravens unless he plays this upcoming season on the tag and then they agree to a deal. I just think there's too, it seems to be too much bad blood or at least just not enough communication. And the two sides um, are just so dug in in their respective spots uh, that it doesn't seem that there's going to be the give 
that needs to be. You know, they say it takes two to tango. Uh, Eric DaCosta said at least four times, it seems like, this offseason. And uh, it seems to, you know, seems like neither side is really doing that. There's so. no music playing, Jace. There's yeah. no music on. <laughs> there, there, there's, no, there's no give and take, it seems, for either side. Like, the Ravens aren't willing to match what Lamar wants, and he has been unwilling to come off that... Well, so we think, again, this is all without an agent, which is who feeds all these NFL insiders every single thing. Uh, it's hard to know. The Ravens famously don't talk. This isn't like Jerry Jones, who has a, you know, radio spots he hits every two days. Uh, they're a tight-lipped organization. So it's just hard to been, to kind of suss out what's true, what's fake. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know fully where it goes from here. I'm not optimistic a deal happens. Um, and I'm not optimistic Lamar plays for the Ravens in 2023. But, uh yeah, I'm not surprised we reached this point today. Just very quickly, a point at the start of that that needs to be reemphasized. We, based on how Lamar negotiates with other teams, we will find out very quickly how much the Ravens are to blame and how much Lamar is to blame for how this has gone. Um, you know, somebody offers him his money, then whatever. He got his money, good for him. The Ravens took a risk and they failed. They, you know, just basically saying, in, in, for lack of a better term, calling his bluff essentially and saying no one's going to give you that uh but but not even about the money per se more of if some team is all of a sudden just like you know and it could you know it could be like new love or whatever where it's like oh we love talking to this guy he's great everything's fine just like we all were in that state you know just a couple of years ago uh with lamar jackson i'll be very interested to see if some gms and you know you were not going to hear this directly but you get reports it's been very difficult negotiations between the Miami Dolphins and Lamar Jackson, or they've tried to reach out and have not heard back from Lamar Jackson uh, per what nobody, because you know, he doesn't have an agent. So this will be very, very interesting to see um, how it goes from here. And, you know, if, if I'm right about the Ravens continuity thing being actually a problem because they just move too slow and are too, they stick to their own guns too much, or if this is just a situation where they're like, told you guys! They, and so, I guess we'll have to see. All right. Uh, a positive. A, a, a nice thing happened, I think, um, since the last time we recorded. The Ravens have a new offensive coordinator. Todd Munkin, from Georgia, hired, had a great press conference, uh... I'm not a college football guru, so I'm going to turn to to the guy, the in-house, the in-house expert, Jace T. Evans. Give us two minutes uh, on why Munkin was was panned really as a as a great hire. Yeah, I was really excited to see this. Actually, you know, it is the I think the most positive thing that emerged. I was excited when his name sort of got uh, tossed into the mix, and then you kind of read more from the smart football people. Uh, and they seem to love it even more than like I initially did. So the thing obviously that emerges from his, you know, introductory press conference and just what other people say, adaptability is a kind of the buzzword that gets attached to him. Um, he does have like a pass happy air raid background. He was with Oklahoma state back when like Brandon Whedon was there and they almost went to the national championship game. Uh, and he was uh, the OC of the Bucks when they were, like, leading the league and passing back in the Jameis, uh, early Jameis, uh, early the Fitzmagic Renaissance era when they were just passing the ball all over the yard. Uh, but, yeah, he pounded the rock plenty at Florida, uh, or at Georgia, rather. And, uh, you know, at, at Georgia, their leading receiver the last two years was a tight end. So that seems like something the Ravens can uh, use as a starting point. And it just seems like, you know, those, those kind of smart people on Twitter and stuff, like, 
they've just loved how he schemes things and his teams almost always produce and then like the thing that interested me a lot too with this was um obviously georgia wins the last two national championships and Munkin was the highest paid assistant coach in all of college football. So in my mind, the Ravens are paying him a not insignificant amount of money. He was making over $2 million at Georgia. And like, I don't know what the normal, uh, you know, offensive coordinator role in the NFL runs. Uh, I think we talked about Harbaugh earned something like close to 10 million. So there, there's a lot of money in the coaching circles in the NFL game. But the fact that he left literally what we know is the highest paid assistant job, I think says something uh, in that, and that he even took this job, you know, with the Lamar uncertainty too. I, I kind of thought um, interesting, and, and and you can look at that two ways. I think obviously, you know, if Lamar's on the team, it seemed like he could elevate Lamar, and that will be the saddest thing to me is if Lamar does leave and we never saw him play for not Greg Roman, with the, with the exception of you know, ten games of Marty Morningwig or whatever it was. Uh, that, that'll hurt. Um, but, you know, even if Lamar's not there, I certainly think Todd Munkin gives them... A, a, by all accounts, he should make the offense at least functional. In a way, we obviously saw the Greg Roman offense without Lamar Jackson was just not in the, uh, the tail end of uh, last season, certainly, when we, you know, we... It was well-worn how we didn't score a touchdown, more than one touchdown for six straight weeks. So, um I'm at least hopeful in that regard. Munkin, you know, he's, he's experienced. He's 57 years old. He uh, was a head coach in college for a few years at Southern Miss, which is not the easiest, certainly not the easiest job in the world. He had uh, some decent results there. Um, I, I, I get the feeling there's a non-zero chance he's the next coach of the Ravens. If it's oh boy. possibly in an interim capacity if this year goes really off the rails. <laughs> Um, and then that thought did cross my mind. I was like, did John Harbaugh just hire his replacement? Because we talked about this. Uh, you know, they fired Wink Martindale. They fired Greg Roman. There's no one left. If you're firing a coach, it's John Harbaugh. He's the next coach to be fired by the Ravens, barring, you know, a scandal of some type with the assistant coaches. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I like the hire. I'd love it, obviously, more if Lamar was on the team. I think that would be a big help because i do think munkin's the kind of guy and the kind of like offensive mind this team needs um and i i like it i like the move it just you worry if it you know came a year or two too late to really take advantage of this era adaptability is the biggest thing there i mean jace knows more than i but everything you read is he can do everything which is you know what you heard from roman who was the smart people that jace referenced there were like uh, his passing schemes are that of a middle schooler. So I'm pretty glad that we got somebody that can kind of do all, all facets of the game there. Todd Munkin, ready to unleash Tyler Huntley 2.0. Uh, it's, it's a tough it's a tough sentence to, to say out loud. Pro Bowl quarterback <laughs> Tyler Huntley. Um, all right, so enough positive stuff. Let's get, let's get back into it. <laughs> back to the um, <laughs> The NFL Players Association. Uh, unleashed a team report card uh, about a week ago, right-ish? Yeah, about a week ago. Days just sort of blend blend together. <laughs> um, and the Ravens all over the map. I mean, you had your, your trusty teams like the Cardinals uh, with just a lot of Fs, and I'll run through the, through the categories, but the Ravens sort of ran the gamut uh, in different sections. So this these scores were based on um, the players providing 
uh, information about the franchises uh, and giving, I assume the players gave grades for all these things, and then they averaged out uh, the scores. And I think some of them for the Ravens were a little, um, not disappointing, but surprising that I thought they would have been better in certain categories than, than they were. But the categories were treatment of families, which I thought was interesting, uh, nutrition, weight room, strength staff, training room, training staff, locker room, and travel. Those were the categories. So I mentioned a minute ago, you had your trusty Cardinals, who really are seemingly a sinking ship uh, from a franchise perspective. F in treatment of families, F minus nutrition, F minus weight room, F minus training room. They had, they struggled, F in the locker room. Um, and the Ravens sort of, you know, more up and down. I do want to point out just the maybe the most hilarious thing for me of all is that F minus was a grade you could give. Um, shout out to uh, any of the Loyola Dons listening. We had a very famous uh, philosophy teacher who would give F minuses and they were kind of like a joke because generally F is a failure. So what you can't really have much worse than an F, but uh, the NFL Player Association also agreeing with our old philosophy teacher. You can have a, such a thing as an F minus. So the Ravens had an F minus with their strength staff. Uh, they got a C plus. This is the, maybe the most surprising C plus with the treatment of families. Uh, B minus for nutrition. C plus for weight room. C for training room. B plus for training staff. A for the locker room and then A for travel. So some good scores there. And then one that stood out, the, the F- minus is the one that stood out the most uh, from the strength staff. And I just, you know, n- natural segue, um, Ravens strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders, uh, incidentally, was let go uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, okay. Fans should not know the name of an NFL team's strength and conditioning coach, and yet, uh, many, many Ravens fans do know Steve Saunders. Um, he had 25 players on IR in 2021, several more in 2022 and in years prior. He was suspended for a month for violating numerous COVID protocols in 2022 and was generally hated by the players, uh, as seen really before the scorecard came out and on Twitter after, uh, with several players sort of without maybe mentioning him by name, very clearly stating that their careers were impacted by injuries sustained as a result of poor strength training and and poor strength staff. Um, Guys, I turn to you. Uh, Thoughts on the report card? Uh, Feel free to, you know, delve into any of the categories or examine why F minus should never be a score that exists on a report card. Well, I, I wanted to just touch on that before we, we talked about a little bit more at, at length <laughs> because the, the Falcons had a D minus. Uh, they were the, you know, the, the 31st, pl- uh, they were the 31st place team. And then the Jets who came in 30th in this report card, the Jets score was a B. So that means all 30 teams had B or better for their strength and conditioning staff. Only the Falcons also were below a B. Uh, and 
the Ravens managed the only F in the entire NFL. Like, the gap between, like, the Ravens and, like, the 30th worst team is <laughs> three-letter grades? That seems bad. And, like, I, you know, I, I've obviously never, like, played on an NFL team, but, like, I, I listened to kind of Pat McAfee talk about it a little bit, about how, like, most players sort of default love their strength and conditioning guy. And, uh, yeah, as we saw on Twitter and just – with these report cards, that was very much not the case for the Ravens. To a to stagger, like to such a staggering degree, like how out of lockstep with the entire rest of the NFL, with the exception of the Falcons, uh, that was that. That's what really jumped out to me was the Jets being in thirtieth place and still getting a B, and the Ravens sitting down there at F minus. Like I was like, you really had to like be like hated and just like viewed as bad by these players to get that grade because every other team um you know was not grading that low certainly yeah and then you see the reports uh there was one player he was like an undrafted linebacker uh had a torn acl and the strength staff was still making him do regular exercises with his knee even like a couple months after it when everybody says no no no, no you're not supposed to do that they were still doing it. Um, you know, Quincy Iambadagio said, definitely ruined my career. Three, three years season-ending injuries in a row after being healthy my entire career prior. Carl Davis Jr. It was de- I was definitely a victim of the strength coaches. Two labrums and multiple pec strains. Then one Rashad Bateman, who my man loves to tweet and then delete a tweet. You know, drafts are a good thing, buddy. Just letting you know. You know, we've all had drafts before. And then you're just like, nah, you know what? Not worth it. How about... Um, so just responding to DaCosta talking about drafting wide receivers at the Combine. If you missed this, he basically was like, yeah, we got to keep taking swings. If, if, we were, if we had nailed a bunch of these, I wouldn't have to keep taking them, which I could see why a guy like Rashad Bateman is kind of annoyed about, about that little comment. I could see where you take offense to it a little bit, although I think he's being a bit too sensitive. Quote, how about you play to your players' strengths and stop pointing the finger at us and eight? Blame Lamar Jackson, obviously. Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. Uh, And the healthy part, obviously, is the issue there. Somebody responded saying, you know, Rashad Bateman was never injured until he joined the Ravens. He ended up liking that tweet as well. Not a good look. Not a good look. And again, this is what, what I mentioned before with Lamar Jackson. Um, and a, a lot of this came down on Harbaugh too. And this is the same thing that the Roman thing for years now. I, and I'm just going to stress it again. The Ravens are too married to continuity that it becomes a fault for them. Continuity is good. I'd rather be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens when it comes to my head coach and giving them time and picking the right candidate and letting them figure it out, even through the good and the bad. But you have to know where the time for change is. And clearly there were issues with Scott Saunders and his team. I mean, there's just, there's not even a question that there was. And the the, the change was made too slow. And now it's more egg on the face of a Ravens franchise that, or Steve Saunders, I apologize. That, frankly, this franchise used to not have any egg on its face outside of Ray Lewis and Ray Rice and a couple of those things as well. But in terms of just like organizational structure, football field stuff you know that that team drafts so well they're always consistent they're always competitive and they they get the right free agents they they know who to pay what have what have you and and that's all kind of going to hell in a handbasket 
yeah uh i agree i agree with that um and that's enough that's i'm not gonna nah, just more you know <laughs> we don't need too much sadness on the show so i'm, I'm moving off of it um boy just got a, a couple of f, got a couple of <laughs> f minuses back in the day didn't didn't feel good in, in philosophy to get to get an f minus all right couple last things to go over before we get out of here um don't need to run too long. It's the it's the quote unquote off season. Um, there's not real things happening. It's time for a new game. Uh, Random Ravens have, um, I don't know, flown the coop. Ha 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 ha. Uh, so we're gonna experiment with some new, just sort of trivia games on the show. And one was submitted by a listener, and we appreciate it. So shout out to Joseph Siegel. We're gonna try out. Uh, his idea uh, on the this show. This game is hard, man. This game's going to be so hard. Uh, the tweet that Yosef sent to us um, had an idea for a new game for the pod. Provide a stat line that has some significance, either because of the game it occurred in or for the player personally. And you need to guess who and when it's from. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off, and you know we're, we're, it's fluid here, so the rules may change a little bit, but. I'm going to kind of, I think, for at least this round, um, you fellas watched uh, Wheel of Fortune ever, ever so often? Yes. So they have those, like, in-between rounds where, like, they start showing letters and the first person to buzz in has to just guess. Um, but if they're wrong, they cannot guess again. So I'm going to start running through clues for the player that I have in mind, and the two of you can jump in with a guess. But if you were wrong... You can't guess again. Uh, and then the other player is just going to have his sweet time. So because it's only two of you, and one person, you know, if one person's gone, then the other one can just sort of hang out and wait for the right moment. We're going to weigh, we're going to give points. We're going to assign points for how early uh, you're able to guess it. So if somebody gets it on after the first clue, they're going to get five points. If they guess it after the second clue, they're going to get four points, and, and so on and so forth. And then maybe we'll keep a tally of the points, and, and we'll see where we're at uh, after, you know, a couple of weeks or, or two circuits around. So, was that clear? Was that confusing? Listeners, we'll listeners are ready. Okay, so, um, to be fair, I didn't write out all the clues, so some of this is going to be um, a little bit tricky. So, it would be impossible to know, you know, just this from the first. So, I'm just going to say, this is not a clue. This is just general information. No points to be allowed here. But this was uh, Baltimore Ravens at... St. Louis Rams, hmm. September 25th, 2011. That's just your base information. No clues yet. So I had a guess. Uh, for mind. five points. Five receptions. 152 yards. That's it. Five points. And if you guess incorrectly, you are eliminated. Derek Mason? Tim Horsey has been eliminated from round <laughs> round one. No, of uh, it is not it is not Derek Mason. Sorry, um, I missed the elimination thing. I thought we got to guess each turn. My bad. Oh, I, yeah. well, that was, might have been might have been unclear. So maybe we'll let Tim's back in. Tim's back in the game. All right, I'm back. He's I, back in. I, I have an idea. Judges I would back like, in. I guess another a second clue. Actually. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll wait then. I'll wait. Uh, okay. So five has been. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to give too much, but I I got I got to give something. Um. Any touchdowns for this player, I guess. This player had three touchdowns. That was exactly what that was the clue I was going to give. Three touchdowns. It's clue I'm, number two. So, I'm a, I'm a buzz in. 
I believe this is Torrey Smith. I this remember game, he went off against the Rams once. This game might be not reasonable because Jace is the recall is just going to crush us week <laughs> in, week out. Uh, Jace, you are correct, but I'll give you a bonus point if you can add in the one extra layer of this stat line that made Uh-oh. it note notable uh, in bringing up on the show. So it's five. And maybe I'll just give you no points if you can't get, you know, whatever. I'm making up the rules as I go here. Five touchdowns. Or five receptions with three touchdowns. Oh, uh, would would these because it was his rookie? Would these have been his first career touchdowns? Is that possible? Uh, to be quite honest, I'll have to confirm or deny that. It's certainly possible. But the notable aspect: Torrey Smith had three receiving touchdowns in the first quarter of this first game. Quarter. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and it was. It may have also been his first three. Um, five catches, 152 yards, three touchdowns, all three in the first quarter of this game as the Ravens won 37 to seven. Oh man, that game is so good. I did not remember him having three touchdowns. I just remember a long touchdown against the Rams, but, uh, man, that team was good. And Torrey Smith was good. I mean, he is... He's the literally the best receiver they ever drafted. <laughs> like that's yeah. it's not a, a debate. Yeah, no, Todd Heaps is tight end. So uh, there we go. Mark Andrews is a tight end receiver. Torrey Smith. Oh, that was fun. I like that. That was good. Yeah, he is gonna like this game for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, right up my alley, Tim. Just it, Ravens history memories. <laughs> also, I guess I don't know. I guess I got to give him the bonus point. That it wasn't. Those were his first were receiving really? okay. touchdowns. It was also his NFL debut on September twenty fifth. Uh, well, that was not Week One for the Ravens, but it was his first game. <laughs> so. I don't. Is there a reason he didn't play their first game? Unless the only. Th- I mean, I have the ESPN stat, so he may have just not registered a catch, and and mm-hmm. that's why they didn't. But I feel like that would have would have been in here anyway. Uh, so whatever, Jace. I'm not giving you the bonus point because you're going to be too good at this. Four points for Jace Evans, uh, and maybe we'll run through. Tim, you and I are going to have to duke it out whenever Jace is yeah. giving clues here. Maybe we'll we'll total uh, Tim and I's points at the end of the season and see if we've mm-hmm. matched Jace or not. Um, but thank you, Yosef. Uh, I think that was kind of a fun, yeah, kind fun. of a fun effort, and, and we'll try it again a few a few other times. Um, okay, some NFL news. I'm going to go over a couple of quick things and give my co-hosts as much time as they would like to to comment or to add to it. Couple of quarterbacks got signed. Uh, you know, in the land of teams being able to sign their quarterbacks, Derek Carr uh, signed by the Saints, I should say. So maybe you know, maybe it is harder than it than it looks. To keep your quarterback, Derek Carr, four years, 150 million, will be playing in New Orleans uh, in a wide open NFC South. Geno Smith re-signed by the Seahawks for three years, 105 million, and then Daniel Jones, just hot off the presses, four years, 160 million, 82 million guaranteed at sign, guaranteed at signing. He's not that good. Uh, a couple of veterans pending. Who knows what the heck's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Garoppolo basically just waiting in the wings to see what teams need a quarterback after all the dust settles. Um, thoughts on the uh, the quarterback? <laughs> Ten seconds on the quarterback market before we uh, talk uh, quickly on the combine. 
How did the Saints have all this money? It, like, what? Oh, I don't understand. The salary cap isn't real. So maybe we should just give him $250 million guaranteed because the salary cap isn't real yeah, the, based on what the Saints are the, doing. The Saints always hand out contracts and somehow lose none of their best players. I'm not really sure how that works out. But, yeah, the Saints don't make any sense to me. But Daniel Jones' number is shocking, but that's kind of just is what it is, I think, at this point now with NFL quarterbacks. Uh, if you're, like, half decent, which I think Daniel Jones does. Gino makes sense. And uh, not to be too negative, I think there's a non-zero chance Jimmy G is in Baltimore <laughs> to start oh, the 2023 season. So I don't want to speak too negatively on him at the moment, just on the on the off chance it comes back to bite me uh, in the butt. There's no chance that Garoppolo would be worse moving from a team with all the weapons to a team with none of the weapons. <laughs> that would be that would be great. Uh, okay, top tidbits uh, from the combine. Anthony Richardson is athletic. We we learned that. Um, big people were fast. We, we learned that. Uh, Georgia tight end Darnell Washington is this year's pterodactyl, which I actually spelt correctly in the notes uh, on my first try, which I was pretty impressed by. Um, Congratulations. Will Levis. A little disappointing. Uh, this was his big opportunity, you know, coming out party to try to leapfrog some of the other quarterbacks and uh, did not have a great combine. Bryce Young, we talked about at a, at a hefty 204 pounds. Um... And apparently there's great cornerback depth at the top of this draft, which probably means the Ravens end up trading back uh, for two seconds and, and get a corner uh, and, and a guard with those two picks, and everybody is on is unhappy. Um, you two may have watched more more combine stuff than me. Uh, any any thoughts on, on players you saw or uh, interesting aspects? I mean, Anthony Richardson was ridiculous. Like, it he didn't even, as many people have noted, he didn't even run straight in his 40, and he still ran like a 4-4-3 four, four, or whatever it was. Um, you know, Jace will know more in the terms of the when the Ravens inevitably trade up to draft him, and it's like, wait, this guy actually can't play quarterback, so that will be <laughs> super awesome. Um, and then Will Levis, never trust a guy that likes mayonnaise that much. That's all <laughs> I'll say. Just, just, just don't. Just don't. The man puts it in his coffee. Something is wrong with him. Do, do, do not trust that man. Do not draft that man. Uh, the Richardson stuff's obviously, I think, the big story of the Combine. He sets, you know, two drill-specific records. His other times are all, like, top five since 03 for his position. Um, and, you know, we mentioned he's probably going in the top ten now, which is, like, kind of a crazy thought. But I think it's going to happen at this point because his combination of size and speed, like, is pretty much unprecedented. He's, like... He, I mean, he's 6'4", and he's so fast. He ran one of the fastest 40s a quarterback's ever ran um, since 03, anyways. And he's 6'4". He's got probably the strongest arm in the draft. But as Tim said, he completed 53% of his passes uh, in college, which is not the number you want, <laughs> certainly, in, in today's college game, especially. You know, Joe Burrow completed what, like, 75% of his passes or something crazy and Anthony Richardson's down below 55% not what you want but he's an insane physical talent and teams are going to talk themselves into him and I think you know rightfully maybe more so even than Will Levis I'm not a Levis believer uh necessarily because he went to Kentucky he played all the same guys that you know Bryce Young and Richardson did um and he just wasn't that productive, and that always scares me. Richardson, you know, he wasn't super productive either, and Florida had a losing record his only year as a starter, but you see the skills. So I think he's obviously the big story of the combine. Nolan Smith made some waves. Darnell Washington, you mentioned, was 
stupid how fast he moved that blocking sled and stuff at six seven and uh the other georgia tight end he wasn't even their number their leading receiver tight end but uh um yeah richardson stuff's the big thing because i think that's gonna be a big player in the draft is getting a, a probably a fourth quarterback into that 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 and, and you know it's kind of reminds me a little bit of the trey lance thing where we suddenly trey lance went from like late first round pick project maybe to the third overall pick like can richardson get that high i guess we'll see but i wouldn't be surprised if suddenly he's in the top like his name we hear him called fifth on draft night like that wouldn't shock me so i think he's the big story of the combine i agree with you uh, the cornerback class is crazy loaded um I, i'm a joey porter jr fan myself i think it would be funny if the ravens drafted the son of P joey porter it would be funny and he was asked even about that and he said something like like i have no animosity for the ravens or anything he's like you know he was barely you know cognizant i think that when his dad last played a nfl game probably so uh I, I, the quarterback depth's great, um, but yeah, you're right. I I could see it would be so funny if like Lamar walks and the Ravens' first round picks a corner. Like that would just make everyone lose their minds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you know combine. I didn't watch a ton, but the Richardson stuff is definitely the standout of the weekend. In just about every mock draft that we've seen so far, and we will have plenty of draft coverage for you as we get into april but so far just about all the mock drafts have the ravens you know somehow sticking uh with their pick in the first round and taking a wide receiver there are a couple of them that are that are floating in the, the high teens you know mid to low 20s range um but i'm not going to talk about that uh are we mentally ready to talk about the ravens um dealing lamar jacks not trading him anymore but you know letting a team in the top 10 uh take him with a big deal taking that top 10 pick, and drafting a quarterback. Are we mentally ready to have this conversation as we get into March and April? Maybe not yet, but the next time we reconvene, if, if everything has just gone like this, where it's like, well, nobody wants to sign Lamar, but Lamar doesn't want to sign for the Ravens. Yeah, kind of. Bring on C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Mechanical robot of a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. That's worked out in Baltimore before. I think the only way I'd be, like, ex not even excited because I don't think he's as good. Like, he might not be as good. But if Houston came and was like, here's number two and you're guaranteeing yourself Bryce. Unless, you know, the Bears. Then, but then you might get in the game of the Bears are still picking one and can, like, the Colts jump above you. All this stuff. Um, so, Bryce Young would intrigue me. The, we should say the Ravens met with Anthony Richardson at the Combine, which was interesting. I didn't really... You know, I didn't stare at the reports of who they met with and who didn't, but I didn't see a ton of names connected to them from quarterbacks other than Richardson. So that's interesting. It would also be bizarre, I think, to draft, like, to be like, because you're basically rebuilding if you draft Anthony Richardson, I think, because of how raw he is. So I don't love it, <laughs> but <laughs> the skills are there. But uh, I think Bryce Young is probably the best quarterback in the draft but that size thing that's the big thing with him so he, as you said he weighed in at 204 pounds that was a big intrigue at, at this weekend but uh um but yeah i i'll talk myself into it and if you know 
I'm dumb, so, like, if the Ravens do let go of Lamar, I'll immediately spin zone it into why this is a good thing, and oh, look at who we can draft now, and we're resetting our window, and here's five years of the greatest quarterback play, but, you know, it is such a risk with these guys, and the Ravens, uh, they only have hit twice on quarterbacks in their entire history, and, you know, Flacco wasn't necessarily a home run, he was just a good player for a long time, but... They hit a home run with Lamar and be, you know, annoying to try to take that risk again. But, yeah, I'll talk myself into it. And I I, 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 I will get more into the draft as I think we get closer. And just with all this mm-hmm. Lamar uncertainty, I think I, I haven't been quite as invested until I know what we're facing. Because it's like, if I know the Ravens have the second overall pick, then I'm going to be, okay, here's where we stand. But you don't know where we stand. It's like, are we rebuilding? Are we, are we like detonating this if Lamar Jackson walks? It's just like we're in such a no man's land right now. It's just hard to, it's hard to like have too many thoughts about the 2023 season when everything hinges on this one decision. All right. That's going to do it for us. Boy, we planned on coming back two weeks from now. Um, who knows? Really? We're, we're going to play this uh, day by day, week by week. Uh, Lamar Jackson Instagram post by Lamar Jackson Instagram post. Free agency starts March 15th. That is when teams, as we mentioned, can start just sidling on up to Lamar at the bar and saying, you know, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of this? So if things happen uh, around March 15th and immediately after, don't you worry, we'll be there. Um, but otherwise, we're, we're likely to be back in two weeks. <sighs> talk more about this team to talk more about about its future we just want we just want to have fun uh boys you know they just want to have fun for jace evans and tim horsey i am antonio barbara thank you for sticking with us and and following along on pod like a raven we will see you someday Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.